I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of Romans. If you have a Bible, as I always mention, sometimes people don't bring the Bibles to church. If you have a Bible with you, please open to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I believe everybody knows the scripture, especially those who grew up in Sunday school. If you memorize the scripture, does anybody know the scripture? Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Listen to this. I want to go very slow so that you would digest what I'm going to say. And we know, do we know? And we know, do we know? Are you confident? And we know what? That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and those who have been called according to his purpose. God knows that you love him. Do you know that you've been called by the Lord? Do you know that God has placed his purpose upon your life? A call that he has placed upon your life. That there is a purpose for which he has called you. If you know that, then you got to understand the first part. That God works for your good. In all things, which means when the bad and the ugly. God is working something beautiful for you. You're saying I'm here, sitting here in a heap of ashes. According to Isaiah 61, according to the messianic ministry of Jesus, he says, I will give you beauty for ashes. No matter what the ashes are, he works something beautiful. So no matter the bad or the ugly, whatever you are going through in this season of your life, I want you to confess and declare the scripture over your life. Whatever season you're going through, whatever it is, let me go slow again. Understand whatever season you are going through in. I want you to know that God works for your good. He has worked for your good. He will work for your good. He is still working something beautiful for your good. Hallelujah. In all things, the bad and the ugly. He is working. He is orchestrating something, designing something, creating something beautiful for you. Let's go to Psalm 23. Don't we know the Psalm? But be with join with me here in Psalm 23. He leads me into the green pastures. And also he leads me into the still waters. Everybody's happy when God leads you to the green pastures. Everybody is happy when God leads you to the still waters. But then comes a shift. And then the Bible says, David said. Here though I walk through the, so what comes later? The shepherd who guided you to the green pastures, who guided you to the still waters, is now guiding you into the valley of the shadow of death. This is not the valley of death, no. Which means you will die if you go to the valley of death. This is just the valley of the shadow of death. But sometimes what happens is 
we question the plan of God, the purpose of God. We murmur. We can't accept what God is doing in our lives. Before Christ comes in his glory to establish his kingdom here on earth, two signs must come to pass. One is the great apostasy as the bible says it's not just apostasy the great apostasy that must happen number two the antichrist must be revealed i'm not talking about the rapture i'm talking about the second coming of jesus christ when he comes in the glory of his father and the glory of his angels to establish his kingdom on earth two signs must happen one is the great apostasy that is what the bible says and the rise of the Antichrist, not Antichrist, plural, the Antichrist. What's happening now is apostasy, the rise of apostasy. People walking away from their faith. People walking away from Jesus. I'm not talking about people walking away from church. I'm talking about people having a spiritual divorce saying no to the triune God and walking away in rebellion. And this is on the rise. And we're hearing these news. Pastors, leaders, Christian leaders walking away from their faith. One of the reasons is because they don't know how to handle sufferings in their lives. One of the great reasons is a tragedy, a trauma, something unexpected that shattered their dreams. A betrayal, a tragedy, a loss of a loved one. The pain that they had to go through, the trauma that they had to go through. They did not know how to handle with care. And so this gradually leads into bitterness. And then it goes into hatred towards God. And finally they walk. They turn their backs on Jesus. They turn their back on Jesus and walk away in rebellion. But you have to understand the master plan of the great designer. He who leads you into the green pastures. He who leads you into the still waters. Now in the next season of your life. He wants to lead you into the valley of the shadow of death. But nobody wants to travel that path. Because that is where the master is creating something beautiful. Not around you but in you. Hallelujah. We are looking for people who have charisma. We are looking for people who are competent. We are looking for somebody who has a chemistry. Oh, that person bonds with me, gels with me. I've got a chemistry with that person. I need him in my church. God is not looking for all of that. Not looking for charisma. He is not looking for somebody who's competent. God will teach you and train you with that. He is looking for character. Say character character godly character that is what God is looking out for and this Sunday morning I want to remind you you know this but I just want to bring to your mind or remembrance about a person in the Bible and his name is Joseph I want you to understand what he had to go through 
Whatever you're going to learn, you know these things, I just want to remind you, bring it to your remembrance. Take down notes, go home, read the word of God and start prayerfully yielding yourselves to the Lord because tomorrow you don't know what's going to happen in your life. I may lose my spouse, I may lose my child, I may lose my loved ones. I don't know what is going to happen. I may lose my anatomical parts of my body. I may lose my voice. Hallelujah. Will I be able to tell the Lord like Job, the Lord give it, the Lord take it and blessed be his name. Hallelujah. Will I be able to rejoice in God my savior? Through the pain and the trauma, tragedy, in the loneliness and the frustration, in the midst of confusion, will I give up on my God? Character is what he's looking for. And Paul's greatest prayer is, I pray that Christ would be completely formed in you. Hallelujah. That when people look at me, they shouldn't be attracted to me. They should be attracted to the Christ, the Christ who lives in me. When I started this service on Friday night, I said, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, don't read it. Paul goes on to say, hey, we have a problem in the church. People who were with us have crept into the church and everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to be on the stage and they want the mic. And they want to teach and they want to preach. But I want to bring to your attention that they are preaching a different Christ. They are being led by a different spirit. And then he says they are preaching a different gospel. A different Christ, different spirit, different gospel. And these are the times and the days we are seeing this on the rise. Heresy after heresy. And people, young people, especially the flock of God, don't know what the truth is. The truth. We're running after the superficial things, the elementary things. We are running after temporal things. When the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us this Sunday morning, run after eternal things. Run after things of eternal value. Run, spend your time. Invest your time, invest your resources in things of eternal value. I thank the leadership, Pastor Justin Sabu, the leadership of this church. I know they're crying and praying. What a wonderful team to pick for your fasting prayer meeting, Pastor, seeking God. Not running after the things of the world, but seeking God. Because it is the heart of every pastor. His flock would have an encounter with God. That they would draw close to God's word and to the presence of the Lord. That healings would take place. Everything will happen. Look at this in Psalm 23. David says. It's contrary to what we are seeing now. In Psalm 23, David a shepherd is relating himself as the sheep. He's following the shepherd, Yahweh. He says first. Yahweh Roi, which means God is a shepherd or the shepherd. No, God is my, my shepherd, which means he's guiding me, leading me. I am following my shepherd. 
That's how he starts the Psalm. Psalm 23, that's how he starts. I'm following my shepherd. When I choose, it's my choice. When I choose to daily, sacrificially yield to the voice of God, his word, humble myself in seeking him and following him. What's going to happen all the days of my life? Something is going to follow me. When I choose to follow my shepherd, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What we are seeing now is people chasing after goodness and mercy of God. And a gentle, loving, ever-loving Savior, Shepherd, patiently waiting for us to turn our backs to Him. He is walking behind us as we are chasing the goodness and mercy, the stuff of this world. I want to emphasize on godly character this Sunday morning. I want you to think about this person called Joseph. His life. Testimony of his life. The father calls all the children. Come here. Let me prophesy over everybody. Because Jacob was an anointed man of God. God gave him the word concerning the future of his sons. But then when he comes to Joseph, he looks at him. He waits for a while. He's reminded about the testimony. He's reminded of the day when Joseph came to him and said, Daddy, I have a dream. God has put a dream in my heart. And he shared the dream with his brothers and his dad. Nobody believed him. But look where the God-given, God-birthed dreams took him on a journey according to the purpose of God. From the moment the dreams were birthed in his spirit to the moment the dreams were fulfilled, he had to go through seasons of pain, misunderstandings, being a prisoner, being a slave, being a servant, hallelujah, falsely accused, allegations against him. But in the end, whatever God promised came to pass. But he had to go through seasons in his life. So many seasons in his life when nobody understood young Joseph. But Joseph never, 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 not once he gave up on God. Praise the Lord. So I, wanted to, I want to teach you this so that, you know, you can go home and apply this in your life. We live in a culture always blaming others. We blame our pastor. Maybe not here. <laughs> blame our parents. Daddy, I'm here. I'm, I'm like this now because of you. Mommy, I'm going through the situation because of you. I am who I am because of you. I'm going through this pain because of you. We blame the church leadership. We blame our teachers. We blame our school system. We blame this nation for what they did in the past. We blame the government. We blame everybody. We don't blame ourselves. We don't accept our mistakes. Sadly, we blame God. The psalmist said in Psalm 92, there is no wickedness in God. There is no wickedness in God. God is upright. There is no wickedness in him. Who is wicked? We. Our human heart is wretched, wicked. But many times we love to blame God. I want you to study this for a moment. 
about the life of Joseph. Let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 37 verse 4. Look at his childhood, his life at home. His mother died or his mother passed away when he was very young. Who raised him up? His daddy. Any daddy's boys here? Nobody? Daddy Jacob raised up baby Joseph. Because Rachel passed away when Joseph was very young. But I want you to understand the atmosphere in his own family. Genesis 37 verse 4. Can you put it here please? Somebody if you got it, can you just read that? Genesis chapter 37 verse 4. hated him at home why because daddy was showing favoritism to Joseph so with among his own brothers they started hating him because they understood that daddy it's not just loving expressing that love daddy was more affectionate to Joseph and so they started hating him what's next they started hating him and the same, the same scripture that read in the beginning. Couldn't sleep peacefully. Couldn't, they wouldn't speak peacefully to him. So there was no peace when they spoke to him. Their interactions, daily interactions at home. They wouldn't speak to him peacefully. There was hatred because of the bitterness. There was hatred in the hearts of Joseph's own brothers. Let's read 37 verse 8 to 10. Life at home was 8 to 10. Please, same chapter. And his brethren said unto him, ah. Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? Now the hatred is growing over here when he shared the dream. He said, you know, they said, you know what? It's not just affection from the dad. But now when he shared this God-given dream, they said, you know what? Are you going to rule over us? And so they started hating him more. Let's read same verse, same chapter verse 23. What happened on that fateful day? Verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. They stripped him of the robe that his dad gave him. And what did they do? Next verse. They cast him into a pit. Who did this? Hello, please respond. Who did this? His own brothers did this to him. So I want you to understand what was going through the heart of Joseph. I want you to for a moment experience that feeling. Your own brothers lowering you into a waterless pit. The same verse says he was sold by his own brothers. Later on, you read about what happened to him in Egypt. In Potiphar's house, he was falsely accused. Have you been falsely accused? You know the pain of being misunderstood? He was falsely accused, misunderstood. He ends up with the prisoner. Who is he now? A prisoner. Misunderstood. Condemned as a prisoner. He helped the baker and the butler. 
expecting that they would remember him but the bible says they forgot him we try to help people thinking that they're going to help us back they forget us thinking about one after the other the pain in the heart of joseph what well, the beauty is joseph did not blame anybody he did not blame his dad dad why did you send me to check on my brothers all this hap- things happened because you sent me to check on my brothers you shouldn't have sent me he could have blamed his dad he could have blamed his brothers he could have blamed potiphar he could have blamed potiphar's wife he could have blamed the jailer the butler and the baker he could have finally blamed god but joseph did not blame anybody the beauty about the character of joseph he did not play the blame game what else there's something i want you to understand here what joseph didn't have in egypt so now we've got to study this that is not there in egypt joseph didn't now present time and mistake he had no pastor there in egypt no sunday school teacher in egypt no prayer partner no relatives in egypt he was all alone in egypt yet you see this man totally in love with the lord we have so many meetings different kinds of translations of the word of god the bible in our, at home pastors senior pastor youth pastor sunday school teachers different ministers in the church youth leaders christian parents or parents in the christian faith we're listening to a lot of podcasts so many times we hear the word of god but when it comes to character sometimes we grieve the holy spirit but i want you to understand the life of joseph he had nobody to understand him nobody to even pray for him nobody to encourage him nobody to understand him yet he just did not barely survive in egypt he thrived in egypt wow that's why i love joseph even though he was alone he thrived in every season of his life even in the bad times even in the ugly times Joseph thrived in every season of his life. Do you know what the secret is? It's very simple. At a very young age, daddy taught him something. Number 1, never forget who your God is. Never forget that he's a holy God. Walk with him with reverence with a holy fear. Knowing that he's always watching over you. Knowing that he's always with you. Make the right choices. You will have to face the consequences on your own. Hallelujah. And whatever you do, make sure you take the right choices that please God. Hallelujah. Joseph, my son, the only thing I'm teaching you is develop a godly character in your life. Hallelujah. And your God will never forsake you. Your God will rise up for you. Your God is with you to the thick and the thin he will always be there joseph four things his daddy taught him one is have faith in god the good times bad times 
and ugly times have faith in God. When Christians sometimes go through sufferings, pain, tragedy, you know, they question the existence of God. Where, where are you, Lord, when I'm hurting the most? Why could you do why did you do this to me? Why did you abandon me, Lord? Why did you forget me, Lord? I can't believe you made me go through the season of my life. Are you real? Are you up there? Is the man upstairs alive? They question the existence of God. And this bitter questions lead to bitterness and then it leads to hatred towards God and people turn their backs, walk away. This is how apostasy happens because people don't know how to handle sufferings in their life. But through every season, think about this, every season, Joseph never questioned the existence of God because daddy taught him that lesson. Number two, he had the fear of God. Potiphar's wife knew that there was nobody else in that house. That's what the Bible says. When Potiphar's wife looks, there's only two, Potiphar and Joseph. But when Joseph looks, there is three, himself, Potiphar's wife, and God. And because of that fear of God, he ran away. She held on to his robe, his clothes. She, he let it go and ran away. She wouldn't let go of his clothes. And he wouldn't let go of his God. He ran away in fear because he knew his God was a holy God. You got to be very careful when you get up here on the stage. Make sure you understand the God whom you worship is a holy God. We just want to say God is love. Yes, God is loving. He is love. Also understand the same God who is love is a God of justice. He's a God of righteousness. He is a holy God also. You can't separate love from God's justice. God is love. God is just. God is holy. It's like the three blades of the fan. They run together. God's holiness. His righteousness. You can't separate one from the other. And young Joseph knew that the God whom he serves is a holy God. Number three, he had an intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Even though he had an intimacy with nobody else. No daddy there, no pastor, no Sunday school teacher, no friends, no prayer partners. Nobody was there. But God was his daddy in Egypt. God was his best friend in Egypt. And Joseph knew how to connect with his best friend. His dad in heaven. Hallelujah. Yahweh. He knew how to open his heart. Cry out to his God. He knew how to connect with his God. Because he had an intimacy. Who taught him that? His daddy. Daddy Jacob. Number four. He had the hope in God. What's the hope? I did not dream any dream. I did not chase after any dream. It was God Almighty who put or birthed that dream into my heart. It was God given. 
And so he guarded that dream that God birthed in his spirit. And he knew that God was not a human to lie. And whatever, hallelujah, God gave him the dream was a prophetic dream. When God gives you a dream, it doesn't expire. It will surely happen. It will come to pass. You got to trust in him, hallelujah. He will make sure the dream will come to fruition in your life. Pastor, the season that I'm going to does not align with the dream God gave me. It's okay. Your dream is going to take you places. He's been lowered into a pit. He just can't believe. He's shocked. How could they do this to me? I love them with my heart. How could my brothers do this to me? How could they abandon me here? Shattered, crushed in his spirit. Have you been crushed in your spirit? He's crushed in his spirit. But look at the timing of God. The brothers lowered him in a pit. They sat down to eat while they were eating. While he was crying. While Joseph was crying in the pit. His brothers were eating a meal. As they sat down to eat a meal. Here comes a caravan. Look at the timing of God. Oh, You are going to be taken to a place of your destiny. Every dream that I gave you, Joseph, is not going to come in fruition. In the land you're living, you are going to be taken to a foreign land. Your dream is going to take you places. You are going to thrive in Egypt. Hallelujah, Joseph. Don't worry about the pain. Somebody is coming to take you. Somebody is coming to take you. Even though you don't like even though you don't like it, somebody is being sent by God in that time. It's called a divine appointment of God where God steps into your life. Even when you don't expect it, even though you don't understand what it is, he steps into your life. His brothers came up with the idea. Judah said, let's sell him. Everybody agreed, let's do that. Let's get rid of him. Reuben said, don't kill him. Judah said let's sell him they sold him as a slave and he was taken to Egypt that was again the plan of God how God turns works together for good for those who love him and for those who are called according to his purpose because God's foreknew this and he wanted this young boy to go through that pain you, God takes you through trouble so that tomorrow you can comfort others. God takes you through trouble so that you can understand the feelings, the pain, the agony, the sorrow that others go to, go through. Hallelujah. God, a God's minister, a true minister of God is a people's minister. Understanding the pain, the agony, the tears of God's people. So when you study this passage, you understand that Joseph was always conscious about God. Always God-centered, not self-centered. Always conscious about God. Involving God in his life. Keeping or living the, with the fear of God. What's the blessing that happens? Instead of blaming people. I think he just started praising God. It's okay, I'll wait patiently. I'm hoping in you, God. I'm trusting in you, God. Things are going to change. In your time, you will work. According to your purpose, you are going to work on my behalf. 
And because of this, you know, I want you to understand this, you know. The Bible says, God was with him in every season of his life. Think about this. God was with him even when he was in the pit. The right time God sent a Karen, midnight caravan that came and took him. God was with him, the Bible says, when he was in Potiphar's house. The Bible says God was with Joseph in the prison. Hallelujah. God was with Joseph all the way in all the seasons of Joseph's life. Hallelujah. So many times we fail to understand that God is with us. Even though he has assured us that I will never leave you nor forsake you. But many times we fail to understand that God is with us. We even fail to understand that God is in us. That he is working in us. And sometimes through our pain, he is working through us. Hallelujah. So many times in pain, we have to minister to people. Even in the pain, God ministers through us to change, to touch, to transform lives. That is how God works. Hallelujah. Three more slides and I close. And now you see God. Three times they try to take his robes. That's what the Bible says. The first time he says, brothers took away his robe. He didn't want to let go of what his daddy. Listen to me very carefully. He didn't want to let go of what his daddy gave him. But they forcefully took away his robes. Second time, here comes Potiphar's wife. She held on to his clothes. He didn't want to let go. But she forcefully held on to those robes. And finally he had to let go and run away. Without his permission, she held on to those robes. But the third time, God wanted to reward this young man. The third time he's in the prison. As he's wearing the prison clothes, the palace officials come with royal clothes to the prison where Joseph is. <laughs> Years of being misunderstood. Years being away from daddy whom he loved so much. Years of waiting and waiting and waiting for the God ordained God brought dreams to come to fruition. And here comes the palace officials with the royal clothes coming searching for Joseph as he is in his prison there. Joseph, you have a royal invitation. Pharaoh is calling you. Come. Come to the palace. Remove these prison clothes. We've come with robes to clothe you. To take you as a guest of honor. Come. Prepare yourself. Shave off your hair. We want to make sure you are presentable before the king of Egypt. 
they took off his prison clothes and look at that the third time he was happy willingly he removed the clothes the prison clothes and God finally stepped into his life to elevate him to a place of position he became the prime minister of Egypt and we feel that he forgot God no a new Egyptian name Egyptian wife Prime Minister of Egypt an Egyptian house he's eating Egyptian food they tried to change the world around him so that they could change the world inside him we feel maybe this guy has become an Egyptian Joseph never forgot his God how do you know and God gave him children he did not name them Egyptian names he gave them Hebrew names for a purpose he said my God has helped me to forget what they did to me I've gone through great sufferings but my God was hard for me to forgive and forget but Yahweh, Jehovah God made me forget. And so he gave a name to his son. The second son, he said, my Lord, my God has made me fruitful in the land of my sufferings. He understood that God was not just his resource, but the source of all his blessings. In all the seasons of his life, God was there in his life. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Shall we stand up in the presence of the Lord for a moment? I don't know what season you're going through. But just like we read in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. For all things work together for good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. Last night we had an altar call here for almost an hour. We were just praising God. I love those God moments in our lives where God chooses to surprise us. I was standing over there. I was standing over there walking around praying for people. And I came up to this young man and he was just standing over there with his eyes closed. We started praying for him. Tears just started flowing from his eyes. I believe he was as drunk in the spirit how the Lord just touched him in a very special way. He had come to pick his dad. He was not here for the entire service. He came here late. He came to pick his dad. His brother was supposed to come, but his brother couldn't make it, so he came. And he was standing over there. I didn't call him forward. I didn't call him. But maybe he heard the whisper of God. And on his own, he walked up here and was standing over there. And he made use of the opportunity that God gave him. Seizing that God moment, seizing that God opportunity. He stood there and connected with God. And God saw that surrender. And God decided to touch him in a very special way. And I asked him, I requested him if it's okay. If you would take just five minutes to share his testimony of what God did for him last night. And so that brother, he's going to come forward and he's just going to take five minutes. Hallelujah. But in this five minutes as you're standing here, 
I want you to understand what he's trying to say. I want you to soak it in and I want you to connect and pray with the Lord. The same God who touched him can also touch you. I don't know what season you're going through. Maybe your heart is so crushed, broken, disappointed, discouraged, feeling so lonely, so broken. Saying, um, my life is in a mess. No, don't say that. Don't give up on God because God will never, ever give up on you.